What are you up to this weekend besides this? What the fuck else you think? It's quarantine. <laughs> I don't even nothing. know why I asked. Yeah. The idea, the answer is forever nothing. I'm going to... <laughs> forever wa- nothing. Yeah, I'm going to watch players get drafted. That's still going? The NFL, in the NFL draft. Yeah, rounds four through seven, the last rounds are today. So they're going on right now. So I have it on in the background as I'm recording. Gotcha. Um, It's nothing like, like nothing that's going to take away my attention, but. Right, right. You know, but when the Seahawks pick, you know, I'll uh, over recording. If you hear me go, what the fuck? You know, that'll be (laughs) (laughs) why. Why would you do that? Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch romantic comedies and then record our thoughts and put them up on the internet for your listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing this fine Saturday afternoon now? Uh, it just it's just afternoon here in Chicago. Um, good, good. Not drinking, are you? I am now. <laughs> I waited till the podcast started before I cracked my first beer. I am drinking a uh, the IPA that I have that I mentioned to you previously, uh, the Bell's Two Hearted Ale. It's a really good IPA that I strongly suggest to anyone who enjoys. A craft brew. Uh, I'm not like a huge IPA fan uh, myself, but this IPA has a nice like. It's not too hoppy. It gives you enough hop to like where you can feel it, but it's really clean taste and it's a good taste. Um, and you can drink multiple in a sitting. So I still, I still can't do IPAs. I mean, I'm I'm not a big beer drinker anyway, but. Um, yeah, I can I can put down about you know three or four of these and and be all right. With IPAs, usually if you get like the middle of your second one, you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? But this one you can get to about four, and then you're just like, okay, I'm sufficiently drunk. <laughs> Where's the alcohol? <laughs> Where's the hard alcohol? <laughs> but, no, you're supposed to switch the two. Hard alcohol first, beer second. <laughs> liquor before yeah. beer. Never fear. Beer before beer liquor. Before liquor. Never sicker. <clears throat> anyway. <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're kicking this off. I'm yeah. I'm drinking tea and water. That's my that's my uh big morning. Well, I guess it's not technically morning now anymore. I I don't like the side of you. <clears throat> I know, right? Like, <laughs> like what the hell? I woke up and I was suddenly older. <laughs> it's raining outside. It's it's we're in quarantine. It's I'm just feeling kind of you know relaxed and lazy, and we're gonna talk love now. Yeah, a lot like love. A lot which is like the movie love. that we watched this week. Uh, so a lot like love. Uh, it's a movie that you chose. It's a movie that you own, but they hadn't seen in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think th- so. Watch it, rewatching this. So much stuff came back. I haven't seen this in in years. I've owned it. I think it was the first rom com I ever actually bought, and I think I bought it freshman year of college. And for the longest time, it was the only one I owned until I bought Love Actually. Um, But I watched it so many times when I was younger and then stopped watching it because it was always it was always so torturous to me. And I'll get into that later. But like the emotional like roller coaster that it was watching the movie every time I loved it. But at the same time, it like mentally and emotionally tortured me. 
to a point that I, I think I ended up getting like some sort of PTSD from it where I never wanted to watch it again because it made me worried about, you know, like the future and relationships and everything. And, um, so this is the first time I rewatched it in probably, probably a good seven, eight years, I would say. I think, I think, I don't think I've watched it since I moved out to the Midwest. I think the last time I ever watched it was back on the West coast. So life has changed since I last watched it. So it was, it was nice to see it through fresh eyes, but um, huh. yeah, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold back. It's just going to come through in the, in the episode that this is one of my favorites. So um, I mean, obviously I, I gave the little history of it. So it has a special place in my heart, I think. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie that my sister and my mom always, they would refer to this movie and they'd be like, you know, what movie's actually pretty good. <laughs> a lot like love. That's kind of the, the frame of reference I had with this movie where it's just like, oh, you know what movie I really like? Like kind of like one of those surprise sort of things. And it, that's just anyone who had seen it or would recommend it always came at it with at that angle like you know what actually is a good movie <laughs> like an underrated <laughs> like not a yeah. not everyone knows about it but it is decent yeah yeah that's sort of what movie i actually liked i was like you know sort of thing um so as if it's a call... surprise that you liked it or yeah. You... <laughs> yeah exactly the surprise that they liked it or they just like despite their whatever preconceptions they might have had um and so I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago, and I remembered liking it, and I was uh, very interested in uh, watching it again. And um, you know, it was, uh, and and we'll get into the thoughts of it. I mean, but it's uh, it's definitely got its, it, it, it there, you know, there's things on on either side of it, but just overall, it's it's a solid movie, um, and and we'll go deeper into that here shortly but before we do that let's talk about the statistics of this movie so a lot like love is a 2005 american romantic comedy directed by nigel cole and it stars ashton kutcher and amanda pete those are the only two actors listed on the entire call sheet so no one else (laughs) i mean there were a couple supporting (laughs) actors i recognize and i i want to point out Cal Penn. That yep, Cal Penn. This is the second straight. We are continuing Cal Penn movie. Like we definitely choose these movies on purpose. We have a preordained <laughs> order to this. We figure this all out ahead of time. It's perfect. It's a Cal Pennaissance. <laughs> but we've done that several times now, where we have episodes that, or we watch movies in a row that just happen to have a continuity to them that work out. That it, like with uh, remember when we watched No Strings Attached after, um, uh, what was it called uh, the the '30s movie? The uh, it happened one night. It happened one night, and we were making all the connections with like the carrots and the the things they were saying that were similar to each other, and we're like, oh my god, we consciously did this, or like when we chose uh, ten things I hate about you for the tenth episode. We acted like that was a real thing, but <laughs> it's just, it. I love that it's been working out where it's like, oh, all these like subtle little continuity things we've got going on. It's almost like we're doing it on purpose. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Hit me with the facts. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the screenplay by Colin Patrick Lynch focuses on two individuals whose relationship slowly evolves from lust to friendship to romance over the course of seven years. Um, this film was released on in the United States on April 22nd, 2005. It was released one day earlier in Israel. So that's where it was first released, technically. Mm. Don't know why. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, how long is the movie, Max? 107 minutes. 
someone looked it up beforehand. <laughs> no, I, I actually looked at the back of the, the DVD box this time. Not, <laughs> not specifically for it, but I was like looking through. Yeah, I was reading a bunch of the stuff on the back and I happened to see that. Gotcha. Yeah, 107 minutes. Um, and you have it on DVD. I had to rent it. Uh, but it's all good. And then the budget for the film was $30 million. Okay. I guess that makes sense because they filmed in both New York and LA. So, yeah, definitely. And then also probably the, the cost of, uh, of, you know, getting Ashton Kutcher and Amanda Pete, although I think more of the cost of getting Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, Um, probably. But, uh, how much did it make in the box office? Mm, I'm gonna be conservative and say 120. 42.8 million. I was not conservative enough. No, it barely made its money back. Um, slight profit. So, wow. you know, yeah. Wow, it really didn't do that well. It didn't. Um, I mean, it, but it could have been a lot worse. That's for sure. That's true. Um, and then the overall uh, Rotten Tomato score is 41% for this film. Okay. Um, and the, um, some highlights from the critics. Uh, Manola Dargis wrote that uh, she was of the New York Times wrote, the film isn't half bad and every so often it's pretty good, filled with real sentiment, worked through performances, and a story textured enough to sometimes feel a lot like life. If nothing else, A Lot Like Love is a pleasant reminder of a Hollywood time, seemingly long gone, when boy met girl in a mid-level romantic comedy without arty aspirations or lowbrow yucks. Hmm. And then Roger Ebert mentioned, uh, the movie is 95 minutes long and neither character says a single memorable thing. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard of being too clever by half? Ollie and Emily are not clever enough by three quarters. God damn. Uh, to call a lot like love dead of the water is an insult to water jesus he uh, included it in his list of most hated films um you know i i was picking up on that a little bit yeah roger ebert said fuck this film so (laughs) well i think i have opposite opinions of roger ebert every single time so fuck Uh, that guy a, a lot of people do um I mean, you got to take film critics with a grain of salt because, like, if we were all the same caliber as film critics, then we wouldn't be watching these movies like we do. Like, we're watching them for entertainment as normal simpletons, you know? (laughs) We're just, they're just movies to us. We're not watching them to pick them apart. And I feel like we're obviously not going to have the same taste or the same priorities. The job of a movie critic and kind of what we do here is that you provide your thoughts through your lens, you know, right. you basically, you, you provide because like your thoughts and through the way you view it could possibly open the mind of others around you so that they could possibly see or read something else into it. And that could enhance their enjoyment of that piece of art. But the th- critics go a little too far because they watch it through that lens and assume that lens is the ultimate. Everyone has to watch it through this lens. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, we're just providing a way of watching this movie and critics can go with, this is the way to watch the movie and that's final. And that's where critiques uh, can sometimes fall on deaf ears. Like with uh, Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Yeah, I mean, the same goes for any profession. The experts in that particular profession, you know, because you're the expert, you think that that's the end-all, be-all. But it's just a it's just a different part of, or a different side of that profession. It's not a different, or it's not the ultimate end-all, be-all, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. And um, I forgot to ask, I know with tasty tidbits, they're, they've kind of... Oh, I looked. 
uh, you you found some t- you decided to bring some tasty tidbits. From no, the I briefly looked, and there's there's like not the only one of really of note is the nude scene where they take photos in the moonlight. Yeah, and they uh, Amanda P looks down at his at his dick, <laughs> and he goes, "You looked." <laughs> she goes, "No, I didn't." That was that they were actually naked, and she actually did look, and they were not. The camera was just rolling, much like our cold opens, where the mic is just on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they decided to keep it, but it wasn't like it wasn't actually scripted or anything. It wasn't supposed to be in the movie. So that's funny. <laughs> I dig it. But other than that, yeah, nothing. I mean. It didn't strike me as one of those movies that I was going to find a lot anyway. Yeah. But. All right, yeah, let's just jump right in to it. Uh, so uh, I'll I'll go ahead and go first um, as far as with my thoughts. So for me, um, as I see the Seahawks just picked Colby Parkinson tied in out of Stanford, I like that pick in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> Uh, so, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was, a, if, I don't think we're going to use it in the cold open, but I have the NFL draft. Oh, wait, did I say the NFL draft? What is, I don't know, man. I thought I we were know. going into the movie. I, yeah, we're going into the movie. I don't, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we're good, man. So, uh, as far as the movie, for me, the first thing that's, that needs to be said. I need it. I need it said right now. I need it. Say all it. Records. Say it. Let's hear it. Amanda Peet is an underrated rom-com or just romance actress. Like no matter whom she's with on camera, the chemistry is palpable. And I know we talked about, I think we talked about this off air, uh, but there was a show, a short-lived show called Bent on NBC that only lasted for six episodes. And they played the, the fucking episodes back to back. So they literally ran it off the air in three weeks. And this was like four or five, six years ago. Hmm. Um, so they literally just ran the show that they had fucking bought and produced, just ran it off the air in three weeks. And it was actually a pretty solid show. It had Jeffrey Tambor on it. Oh, I right love before Jeffrey he- Tambor. Yeah, right before he joined Transparent, this was his last project before that. They had David Walton, who plays Sam in New Girl, uh, the doctor mm. there. Mm. Oh, yeah, we uh, did and, talk about this, yeah. Yeah, and so that, so David Walton and Amanda Peet played the the leads in the show, and they had a, you know, will they, won't they? That was basically the main part of it. And the chemistry between the two of them was so fucking palpable that you just could not take your eyes off of the show. It was just like, you're huh. just deadlocked on it. Um, and then also like the very ending part, cause they did obviously didn't get another season. They didn't get another episode. So they don't actually get together in the six episodes. Cause they were hoping to get more time to build it up. But there's a part where he's, you know, he's kind of moved on cause she's been with someone else the whole time. And then there and he's a contractor building a kitchen for her character throughout the show. Hmm. And they're in like a Home Depot, like IKEA type situation where they're just looking at like a a kitchen, like uh, like an idea of a kitchen, like a fake kitchen that so people can kind of get ideas for it. Oh, I love those setups. Yeah, and then she sits on the counter and looks at him, and then just like kind of slightly, not like overtly so but just like slightly like keeps her legs ajar <laughs> while she kind of looks at him while sitting on the counter and he kind of just looks at her and that was kind of the last scene that they're ever in oh in wow and so when you're when you're watching the six episodes and you know it's not gonna go further than that you just think to yourself man fuck you guys for being <laughs> so good that i'm pissed that i can't see any sort of like conclusion to that Amanda Peet could do that on screen with any dude that she acts across from. She does have a lot of on-screen, like subtle chemistry that you don't, she doesn't need to talk to be able to, to evoke those feelings. It's great. Eyes are so like light and penetrable that they take over 
everything. Like mm-hmm. every scene, her eyes tell a story because of how just light and like when she's when she calls uh, Asher Kutcher to leave flowers at her at the, her mother's grave when he's in New York at the venture venture capital meeting. When she's at the window, you know, crying with her eyes, just that little scene there is so yeah, t- like is so palpable, especially after the fact that they just banged not too long before that. Um, her eyes tell stories throughout whatever she's doing. So this is an Amanda Pete appreciation podcast here. <laughs> um, just know that. <laughs> Um, like even at Saving Silverman, she showed that she could somehow build chemistry with Steve Zahn romantically (laughs) (laughs) in like the most absurd manner. So, yes, uh, I would agree. She's very underappreciated, very under, well, not necessarily underappreciated, but underrated. Yes. And so I just wanted to start there. As far as the movie itself, for me, I don't like time jump movies like this. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get that, like That's... if it's especially if it's just like single meetings, like if there's you know relate if there's like montage montages connecting or like connective tissue or like a, a relationship where you know like off camera they've continued to be around each other within that time frame so it's easier to believe the developments between them and you can kind of infer well this might have happened or that might have happened within the you know time frame that we didn't see it's right. a lot easier to accept things but when you jump in years and things just kind of pick up where they left off it's a a tiny bit tougher to accept I, now, thought they, Kutcher, I thought they did it fairly tastefully because I would, yeah. I would agree with you. Actually, I usually stray away from movies that have the time jump thing. I like something simple and continuous and just easy to follow. Um, my brain is simple like that, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought for this, they actually, there was, there was a, a reason that I read into that I'll get into eventually, but I thought they also did a, pretty decent job for for having it be like like you said one scene at a time where it's like they meet up they have you know a few memories made and then we jump ahead another year like Mm -hmm. instead of showing us you know a relationship or something more uh, constructed and concrete in that scene but i thought they did a, a decent job of piecing all those scenes together and catching you up from all the lost time. So like, for example, it catches you up to him going to the venture capital. Like you immediately understand right away that he's building a business. They're on the precipice of developing that business even further. And that's kind of tied into the relationship growth that they're showing you in that time and place as well. And then you jump ahead another year and they've lost their business and they waste no time telling you that they lost their business. They don't go into extraneous detail to, to demonstrate how they lost it or anything like that. They just, you know, they catch you, they get you up to speed on the basics, what you need to know. And then they get right into the storyline again, the main plot again. So I thought that was done well, but I would definitely agree with you that the jumping around, it's always tricky with a movie. Yeah. The thing See, I just felt like everything just didn't get developed. Like, it just didn't have the effort put into developing because of the time jumps. And it's just like, so then it just comes down to what's the appeal of this movie? The appeal of this movie is that Asher Kutcher and Amanda Peet have tremendous chemistry on screen. And mm-hmm. when they're together, it, it pops. When they act together, and especially as these characters, it's fucking great. Um, like the, the scene where, you know, they're naked, you know, you mentioned earlier that where they're naked out in the stars, like that whole scene is fantastic. Um, you know, all the way from, or the whole lead up to it when they're driving in the car and 
they both are going through their own little heartbreaks and everything else like that. And then they kind of just let go of it and, and, you know, just be together. And that yeah. leads into the whole scene I mentioned about her, like crying near the window and everything else like that. Like them acting together, them being together is fantastic. It's yeah. just that there's no, like that's all you get though to try to believe their relationship all you hmm. get are the moments that are there together there's no development in between like hmm. everything just picks up where it left off oh my god so i just us, i sorry go ahead keep going keep going so like so for us you know everything picks up where they left off because we're watching the movie within a you know a 107 minute time frame but for them it's been years and everything just picked up off where it left off and it's like that's odd you know so i i just had a thought yeah i'm probably reading way too into this i'm sure this was not a conscious thing on this movie's part this seems too complex for the this movie but what if okay so you know you know how they have like photographs are a huge part of this movie like they they always have a camera one of them Mm -hmm. is always taking pictures first Mm -hmm. it's it's oliver that's got the camera in new york then it's amanda pete's character what's her name again um, uh emily emily uh she yeah. becomes the f- a photographer remember um yeah. she has her little gallery uh they take photos in the desert uh the photos if you have the dvd uh that like i do then you can see that the photos are of them are spread over the cover in fact i don't know why but for some reason this movie made me love the idea of film strips like the um the photo booth strips you go into yeah. a photo booth and you get the four printouts. I had never done that in my life. And when I bought this movie, that's all I ever wanted to do. I thought it was the cutest, most romantic thing in the world. This is freshman year of college. And I'm just now catching up to that idea that like, oh, it's cute to go into a photo booth. <laughs> Even though like they never go into a photo booth. It has nothing to do with photo strips. It has to do with actual photographs. Anyway, long ass tangent. My point being, what if... If that's such a, a large undertone of the movie, what if the whole movie is set up like snapshots of their lives? Like each one of those segments is a snapshot. You don't get the full picture. You only get the photograph. You don't get the story behind the photograph. You don't get all the context. You just get that snapshot. Like I said, probably reading into it way more than they intended, but I just had that idea and I was like, huh, when I look at it from that point of view, it's actually kind of cool. You know what I, I mean? Like I like that theory. I, I do like that theory. The, the only thing is that when you're trying to tell a single story and you're trying to tell the story in a linear fashion, then they they didn't build it correctly if that's how, what they were trying to go for. Yeah. They didn't really make a photo book. They just threw the photos at you and said, put them together. Yeah. It's more of that. They didn't, like they didn't, uh, well, like they would have to have built it as, Oh, Hey, look at this memory. Look at that memory. Then they, and they needed to time jump a little more. Like, let's go back to, like or let's start at the you know when they're naked outside and then let's go back to oh i see what you mean go back to new york and how did they meet and kind of jump back and forth like that if you're going to show it off as snapshots of life Hmm. but if but if we're telling a linear story through a time frame and especially because there's the whole initial bet which is the beginning of it where he'll have his life figured out in six years for 50 bucks you know what i mean then it you know doesn't quite mesh that you know there's there's snapshots of everything when really we're following this timeline that they've set up you know yeah and so then it just comes back to everything is just not quite developed and it's mostly not quite developed through their own doing because they told decided they want to tell the story over a period of years. Right. Right. Which, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a tough position to be in. Cause 
I think they did need to tell it over years. Like, I don't think this was a story that you could, I love that it, it, and that's something else I made note of that I'll get into, but I love that they, that they keep, like life keeps taking them apart. They keep going their own, their own ways, but they find their way back together. I like that aspect Mm -hmm. of their relationship. And you can't really tell that in any other way. The only difficulty is like, how do you put that into a two hour long movie or a less than two hour long movie without making Mm -hmm. it like you said, without breaking it up to the point where you can't really follow it as nicely. It's not as clean. So it is a tough spot to be in because. Yeah. I mean, I think they just, they took, they put too many years, like seven years is a shit ton. Yeah. And then on top of that, they decided to do these like blackouts three years later, two years later, six months later. How long know. was when Harry met Sally? Cause that took place over a span of a good amount of time too. Didn't it? Yeah. Um, that one took, uh, that one went, it was over a span of 10 years. Fuck. Okay. So it, yeah. Cause they, they initially meet right out of like right around the end of college. So like at like their 22, 23 year old years. And then they meet at, on the airplane five years after that. Right, right, right. And then five years after that is when they meet each other again. Okay. And then that's where they, that's where the present day is from there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then quick shout out. Uh, the Vikings with the 132nd pick chose Troy Dye, inside linebacker from Oregon. Yeah. Nice. Go Ducks. Troy Dye. Congratulations, Dai. Guy was a beast for Oregon for four years. Anyway. Um, and another thing I felt was rushed within a lot like love was the resolution. Like we get. Yes, two that I will seeds. definitely agree with. They could have spent a lot more time on that. We get two, three seeds with, uh, I think his name was Ben, uh, Emily's fiance. Yeah. Uh, we get two to three seeds with him. We get a meeting, get a barbecue, and then a scene where they don't even say what the problems are. Mm-mm. It's just the look. And I know Amanda, I just mentioned how Amanda Pete can say so much with her eyes and everything. But they need to give me more than just the look to explain why the fuck. <laughs> like, and obviously we know the reason why, because she's in love with Oliver. Right. But. At the same time, it's just there's a lot of story development that they kind of throw away because it's Amanda Pete and Ashton Kutcher. You already know. Like, they just kind of expect everything to kind of be thrown along the wayside because you know, you know, they're the main characters. So, speaking of uh, main characters, did you associate with Oliver at all? Like, with his. His, with the, I'll just leave well, it open ended. Did you associate with him at all? I mean, with the whole like the plan and everything else. Yes. At a, at a younger yes. Age, at a younger age, yes, but at the same time, that once again just lack development. Where it's like, yeah, there's the whole plan thing, and now you're unemployed and blah blah blah, and like this is your life now, and like they just they just hit like it was everything felt like it was a Cliff Notes version of what. <laughs> supposed to be so would you have would you have taken what's already there and just lengthened the movie and added more to it or would you have cut down the time or what you have to cut some things out um cut some things out so you can elongate what's there because i feel like the running time's solid but you do this over the course of i would say two years and you don't jump through with you know, blackout sayings three years later, two years later, yada, yada. Yeah. Over two years. And between the, between the meetings that they have, like either through montages or through whatever other idea you can come up with, you show what's happening in between. You got to show like, even if it's just a matter of like showing like the leaves turning and maybe there's a, quick cut scene of so-and-so walking and such and such walking you, you do it through like scenes that way where it's just like the little two second cut scene of 
hey, there's Emily and Ben going on their first date, you know. Oh, hey, look, there's, you know, and at the same time, here's, you know, like maybe a split screen of Oliver and, and uh, you know, Cal Penn fucking working over, working throughout the night, like at the same time, working, you know, all yeah. hours of the day yeah. to try to get the company going and yada, yada, you know. You have to shorten the time frame and extrapolate and basically <coughs> take away or like either put more prudence on Oliver's, you know, workaholic tendencies to, to fulfill this plan he's built in his head or don't mention it in the first place. But leaving it where it was, it just felt like. Yeah, I get it, but I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> you know, like I, yeah, I get. You know, guys that age can have that kind of idea of, oh, I have to, ha- I have a plan, I have to fulfill the plan, and now I didn't fulfill the plan. What am I doing? And well, your life is now, sort of thing. And it's just like, well, that's oh, all. I, well- I loved that well- scene, though. That was, I thought that was a great scene. Yes, uh- but it's, but it, it's just, it's it's undeserved it's like it's it feels like to kind of to go with something we've been doing during quarantine it would be like if we were playing call of duty Warzone and someone parachuted right in front of you with their back to you and they never saw you and you just kill them right away and it's just like that that kill's great i'll take that kill give me one more but it's completely undeserved. I just got it; just fell from the heavens, and it was great. But I didn't earn it. I didn't go get it. What do you mean that the scene was undeserved, or that advice was undeserved? The scene was undeserved. Like, eh, I don't know. Scene, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it was built up perfectly. Salient point was just they hadn't earned it because they didn't develop that idea of how much of a workaholic he had been. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you go into that kind of depth, you start to, I don't know. I don't know. I keep going back and forth because on some points I think I agree, but I don't know. I could also see where you spend too much time building up these characters and giving them backstories and you take something away from the overall relationship plot. Yeah. Which is why you don't necessarily have to have it. Well, I, I think the, their backstories was actually, it was, to me, it was enough that it was just enough that um, it could have been more fluid and concrete or not. Those are two opposite things. Fluid and um, I guess continuous, but I liked that they gave us a little sample size of their backstories because it made them more real as people and I, I see what you're saying that they could have gone, they should have gone further and developed them into more real people. So it was more believable, but I guess for me it was enough and I didn't want any more and that it was just enough to like have your own takeaway and read your own things into it and associate with them and understand them, but not necessarily turn them into like these wholly perfectly developed characters you know because they don't it's a rom-com maybe they don't necessarily need to have those backstories completely so but i did i loved that beach scene i like i loved the fact that did you pick up on this that they they the whole scene was without talking except for the very beginning when they're talking to the to his brother's kid his nephew yeah they're telling him to get away from the water the rest of the scene no talking but it's one of the most I I thought it was beautiful because of that, that he's giving him this heartfelt advice. That's probably the the best advice he's got in the whole movie. But there's no talking in it. Well, that's what happens when one of the characters is deaf. I know, but it, I thought it was a cool. <laughs> I thought it was a cool like a cool device. Yeah, a cool device. Yeah. I thought it was. I mean, it was awesome. Could, yeah, I know they they could have like implemented the wife or whatever. Yada yada. I, yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. I get what you're saying on that. I mean, it it contrasts to for some reason I hated the beginning of the movie. I've always hated the beginning. The Mile High Club meet, like that's how they meet. Yeah, 
like, I don't know why it bothers me so much. I just, I just hate it. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. That that scene always bothered me though. Because you're getting the the payoff, the what's considered the conclusion before. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you get to know it now. It's just like, I mean, it, it'd be the same as like randomly like walking in on on like being at a, par- a house party or something and randomly opening a door to a room and walking in on someone. It's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on there. But like, <laughs> if you saw like two of your like mutual friends who have been flirting with each other for like six months, all of a sudden like going up the stairs to a room, you'd be like, oh shit, it's happening. <laughs> Everyone, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, the, the build up so, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe like, that yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe that's what I was missing. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Fucking college. I did uh, notice the did you notice the contrast though the next time that they introduced something like that was at the New Year's Eve party scene where the two she's in the bathroom and the two the couple stumble out of the bathroom stall after you know presumably having sex which is similar yeah. to what she did on the plane and she looks disgusted well she I, she looks drunk as fuck well know, yeah but like i i and she you can see going back to your your observations about her expressions you can see on her face without her saying anything how she looks at them reacts to them watches them as they leave the bathroom then looks at herself in the mirror like immediately just looks at herself and for me i picked up on just a very subtle like self um what is it what is it called when you fucking look in a mirror and you look at yourself you, self reflection reflection yeah um where she's a very brief subtle self reflection moment where at least that's what i had read into it was like you know, when she was younger and she was a different person, she would have sex with someone on an airplane. And now she's in a bathroom on New Year's Eve, struggling to not think of her ex to get over a breakup. You know, like t- to me, it, I read into it like, you know, it was another another scene. I thought of a lot of scenes throughout this movie where it was showing the growth and the growing pains of life. That the effect that life has on these two people and the effect that life has on all of us and how your priorities change, how your views on the world change. Um, so I thought that was, that was kind of a nice little subtle moment that I kind of liked, but, um, did you, did you think of, uh, when Harry met Sally at all during this movie? During the New Year's scene? Well, the New Year's was one of them. That was the segue, yeah. But I thought the whole time-lapse format was similar. Um, the whole, like, will they, won't they, but they keep you know meeting up and it's not the right timing, or one of them likes the other, but the other one doesn't, or that whole thing I thought was similar format. Then, of course, yeah, the New Year's. Um, I I guess I didn't just because... At the very beginning, they banged. So, like, you know, yeah, that would do it. Yeah, yeah, you don't think of them necessarily as like friends, or you know, the or as people who don't like each other and don't really vibe, and like don't really vibe with each other and learn to be good for each other. You know, yeah, because that was the whole idea behind when Harry and Sally, just that, you know they actually were good for each other, but they had to learn and grow up and become those people. Um, Yeah. And then, and then they provided their different insights to then become like the yin to each other's yang and fit, you know, well with this one, you know, they banged and (laughs) that's, that's pretty much it. Well, I guess, (laughs) I guess the takeaway you could take from that. You immediately think of them not necessarily as like friends that like fit or anything. It's just more of like this obvious like chemistry that is unspoken initially. And then, you know, they add this, you know, the spoken aspect to it. But like there's just a constant sexual tension slash chemistry between them. So you never. So that's that's different than when Harry met Sally IMO. 
in my opinion. Yeah, no, there's definitely huge differences, but there were subtle things that kept reminding me of it as I was watching it that I hadn't really, I'd never thought of before, because I don't think the last time I watched this, I don't think I'd ever seen him in Harry Met Sally. I don't think I'd ever seen it yet, but well, what else stood out to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's jump into what we think is the kiss in the movie. Oh yeah. We had a lot of kisses. Yes. Uh, what do you think? Well, what stood out, I'll, I'll answer your question with what I think is the kiss in the movie. What stood out to me was, as I mentioned, the scene where they are driving on the road after the heart breaks and then they end up at Joshua tree. And then of course they're naked under the moonlight. Oh yeah. That to me is much like, you know, the empire state building in sleepless in Seattle, much Mm -hmm. like a lot of other scenes like that scene in and of itself is the scene that everyone kind of comes back to when they say, you know what movie I liked? And it was because of that scene. Cause that scene's so memorable that scene and that kiss, all of that, was so well done. It was extremely well done. I like it's not even an A minus an A. Like that whole thing was just like mm. it was hot. It was sensual. It was lovely. It was full of feeling. It was you know it wasn't overt, but at the same time, like you just see the silhouettes of asses and just, <laughs> it, it, just all, it all worked it all worked it was so well fucking done like it was just that you didn't scene. need a dog to make it better <laughs> no it was all well done so hmm. that's that's an a for me and that's the kiss of the movie in my opinion you know i was gonna say the i mean the kiss was the last one the very end where he he finally gets to say, don't, you'll ruin it. And I love that as an ending. Like, I'm glad they didn't drag it on anymore. But then, yeah, I it just because it's like the final kiss where they end up together doesn't make it the kiss. Mm. That kiss in the moonlight is the kiss. Yep. That is the quintessential rom-com kiss. It was, to me, it was perfect. It's best rom-com kiss I've ever seen. I'd give it, you know, I guess A plus. Yeah, 100%. It's hard hard for me to think of any that I I like more. I know. I I know. know, When it really comes down to it, it's just like, you know, the, the only thing that keeps it from like an A plus is just that the movie in and of itself just like you've already seen them yeah. join the Mile High Club. You've already seen them do other things. So right. Like, that definitely detracts so from it. Yeah. It doesn't, so it doesn't hit like it could have hit. Like there wasn't a lot of build where like, you know, Oh my God, they finally but but also because they have that past and because they have everything, like it also allows them to be naked and be as vulnerable as they are because they already, have been vulnerable with each other before. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I mean, to me, like the whole, the whole movie is torture. Like the whole, (laughs) their whole, their whole lives, their relationships and everything with each other, with other people. Like it's, it's just a roller coaster of torturous emotions where it's ups and downs, ups and downs. And it's that kind of tension, that kind of up and down roller coaster that like, it builds up. It helps. It helps negate all of the previous meets they've had, where they've had sex, or they've almost had sex, or they've kissed a bunch. Like it helps cancel those out because you you still have this up and down, back and forth tension. And when you finally get to that kiss in the moonlight, it's like it's finally a kiss of, like you said, feeling. Like it's finally. They're finally rising above all the torture and they're acknowledging who they are in this moment. And there's true feeling between them. It's not just like, well, we're here. We might as well bone. (laughs) It's, it's finally like a nice tender moment. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what I loved about plus, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's so quintessential rom-com, the moonlight, the, 
the car headlights out in the desert under the stars like yeah it's it's very it's unique but very rom-com so yeah i loved it i loved it i agree well for yeah for what happens after ever after i don't didn't really see one that was like extremely like pertinent that's okay you don't always need one other other than i feel like cal pen keeps failing upwards like just professionally i feel like he keeps joining other startups <laughs> so like he was like oh yeah i helped build this and we got to the venture capital portion where we got 6.2 million and he's like helps him with like another small business helps it get the capital but then after they get the capital that business fails but he already you know got in got in while the capital came in took his piece and now they failed he's like all right well i'm gonna go find another job and then he goes and finds another business and that kind of becomes his career hmm i can see that yeah so okay that's the only thing i can think of with what happens after or after it's more of a commentary on just you know the business world in and of itself and my lack of enjoyment of it anyway <laughs> so well i guess that takes us to the ratings then doesn't it yeah the verdict so uh, uh let's go and start with you because i think we all know what it is well mine i think might be a little more long-winded so and and i kind of want I want mine to be a little bit more of a conversation because there's a bunch of stuff I didn't really touch on yet. Okay. And I want to be able to get your feedback yeah, I mean, on them too. But, um, and you, right. you gave a lot of your feedback already. So I think your verdict will be shorter. Very true. I'd fuck this movie and it's, you know, definitely I've seen it twice now. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the parts that I've enjoyed from it. Um, Amanda Pete forever as a romantic lead female lead. Uh, And yeah, uh, I've seen it twice. If I see it again, I wouldn't be mad at it, but I won't necessarily like pop it in as like a first choice. But if I see it again, I won't be mad. So yeah. It loses its luster for you after a first time or two. It's just, it's always going to be like, like a, to me, like a haphazardly filmed highlight reel with some really cool scenes between Kutcher and Pete. Mm. <laughs> That's always what it's going to feel like to me. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, you do know mine. Yeah. I would marry it. Of course. I would slap a ring on this. I would say <laughs> I do. And I would commit my life to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, this is still. I can safely say even after many years away from it and the many, many times that I watched it before that, I can, I can still safely say that it's one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. If not top three, no, it is, it is top three. I would, I would put it up there. It's a completely different breed, but for my interest and my love for it, I would put it up there with when Harry met Sally. And I guess with Love Actually, I think the those three I would say are like the the go to rom coms for me. I love it, and um, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) Um, First of all, I love that. Again, all this is from a personal standpoint, so you know, uh, read into it with a grain of salt. I what are you eating? I'm grabbing licorice right now. <laughs> How's your licorice <laughs> supply, by the way? Oh, it's still strong. Um, we, we've got a mutual friend. Uh, shout out to our buddy Craig. Um, he put made some posts of how he found uh, the American Licorice Company. Shout out to them. Uh, they sell red vines and sour punch straws. Um, sour patch? Sour punch? Sour punch. So, you know, the one... Like they're kind of like Twizzler vines, but like oh yeah, 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 stuff on them. Yeah, so 
um, they sell those online in like tubs and everything. So uh, I bought a couple packages of red ropes and a tub of red vines for like 20 bucks. And it came with like a free, like smaller package of red vines as well. Um, the tub of red vines is so amazing. I love those things. I used to love those things so much. I used to keep one in my car <laughs> in high school. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't even like I'm only like halfway through the red ropes right now. Uh, the first package of red ropes. I have a whole package of red ropes. I haven't even opened the tub of red vines yet. Uh, this the free package of red vines. I I did get through that. So we we've got like two weeks worth of licorice here in my apartment. And I'm about to eat one while you continue talking about it. <laughs> I need to. Damn it! Now I now I want to order some of that. Maybe I'll. Oh, it's literally like with like they on your first order they'll text you a ten percent off coupon. So with like UPS shipping, it was like twenty five bucks. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Go get your yeah. licorice. Yeah, American Licorice Company. I do need to go grocery shopping today, leave my quarantine, and finally go grocery shopping. I'm, I've yeah. been out of food for several days, but I finally ran out of wine. So that's well, what you find your way to Trader Joe's. You can always buy their version of licorice, too. It's still pretty good as well. They have some They have some really good licorice. They also have those uh, those Scandinavian swimmers that are like their version of... Uh, Swedish fish? Yeah, Swedish fish that are mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Trader Joe's, you're welcome to sponsor us. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so many reasons why I love this movie. Uh, first, first and foremost is that I love it. I'll marry a movie if I can go back and watch it multiple times, obviously. This movie, I've watched it in multiple periods of my life, and I can watch it in each of those periods and read a completely different thing into it. It, is, it allows me to have some self-reflection as well, and... To me, that's what I've always loved about rom-coms is that they they provide me with a little bit of introspective and a little bit of clarity and a, and a mirror for my my life and for the things I've observed through my own eyes about life and love and and romance. And it gives me an entertainment version, an, a, a cinematic way to view all that stuff, a, a lighthearted way to view all that stuff. So I love that. I love that I can view it with fresh eyes every time I watch it, depending on where I am in life. With that said, it is fucking torturous, like I said, which weirdly enough is something else I apparently love about rom-coms because that's fucking life. Life is torture. (laughs) It is in, in a good way, though. It's a roller coaster. It's never going to we. We train ourselves to strive for the best condition. The best condition will never be constant. It's always going to be the best condition followed by a bad condition, followed by another good condition. It's ups and downs. Life is a roller coaster. You're never going to achieve a constant state. And yet we're all striving for it. And I love that this movie did the same thing. It was a fucking roller coaster. I remember when I was younger in college, and I was watching this, I was so emotionally distraught throughout the whole movie. And like I said, that's why I I eventually stopped watching it because it would leave such a terrifyingly bitter taste in my mouth as a reflection on life. I would be so scared of my future and uh, the potential failure I would face both in my career and in relationships and whatever else. But the lesson I took away from this movie was that if you if you face all of those fears throughout life, it's a lot easier if you have someone to share it all with. And as long as you, as long as the movie ends happily, as long as that roller coaster ride ends on a high note, then I love the rom-com. And for me, that's what makes a rom-com. I need it to be the roller coaster. I needed the ups and downs and, you know, love and hate and back and forth as long as it ends happily. I mean, I think that's a pretty simple equation, a simple formula um, that a lot of people, I would think, look for in a rom-com. So that's another reason I love it. And then on uh, going off the same, the same note, I love that. I love that the, the torture 
really does actually reflect life a lot. And for me, I read in, like I already said, I connected hard with, with Oliver, the whole getting your ducks in a row, making the plans. That's me. Like, that's how I've always been that I thought, you know, coming out of high school that the the toughest thing I was ever going to deal with in the world was getting through my parents' divorce. And, and that, you know, as long as I could find a partner, as long as I had a partner, which I did at the time, as long as I had a girlfriend to get through life with, everything would be fine, you know? But then that ended and suddenly I was alone in the big, bad, scary world. And so what did I do? I was like, you know what? I'm going to put everything else off. I'm going to focus on my career. I'm going to make these plans. But, you know, life laughs at you and it never goes according to plan anyway. So you just kind of, you kind of got to just go with it. You got to ride the roller coaster. You just got to enjoy the ride. And that's still something, admittedly, I struggle with is just enjoying the moment and I'm much better at it than I was back then, but it's, it's always, I think it's a, it's a universal theme. It's a, it's a tough thing to do in life. Um, so I love that they, they went through that experience that they, they go through this torture. Life takes them in different directions. It, it forces them apart. It forces them back together, but at the end they find their way back together. And in the end, they are really the, each other's halves, other half. They are the constant that they always needed out of life. They're not going to be able to shape their lives into a constant. Instead, they are each other's anchor. And I mean, that's personally something I've always wanted to. That's been a, a primary priority for me in a, in a significant other. Um, when I was younger, I remember thinking that, you know, I, I loved the idea that you could grow up with like a friend. Cause you know, like if, if you were, um, you know, friends with someone that could eventually become your significant other, like a childhood friend that you grow up together, you go through life together, you know, you don't always share the growth of life together, but as long as you end up together, you kind of know each other's backstories, you know, each other's shit. I loved that idea. And this, this had a taste of that. That they, you know, they go through their own turmoils, but they end up together and they already kind of know their backstories. So, I don't know. All of that was, like I said, long-winded. But... <laughs> it's all right. Hey, a real-world ruminations of Max is always a thing, you know? <laughs> I guess so. It's never gone away. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We're still, we're still struggling, man. We're still struggling to find our priorities out of love, huh? Love is always going to be a mystery. I mean, it, it it is what it is. It's just, uh, for me, it's a matter of, I, I like to do things easy and it's easy when you don't have to, you know, can, (laughs) to, uh, consult someone else when making a decision. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also extremely lonely. So <laughs> at some point in time, I'll have to get over that shit real quick. But until that day, we will watch rom-coms. So damn right. Um, and so you can find us on social media. <laughs> on, uh, our shows. <laughs> Instagram is bromancing the stone podcast. All of that. Uh, so, Bromancing the Stone Podcast on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, it's Bro the Stone Pod. Uh, I need to do better about putting tweets out. Uh, hopefully, I, I do so. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So, S U P R Market Sweep. And you can find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88. And then, Max, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at the Lionhearted T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Perfect. And then uh, next week, I know I mentioned previously that uh, we were going to do set it up. That was going to be my choice. We are pushing that back two weeks, so it'll be my choice for May eighteenth. Uh, but there's a good buddy of ours 
Uh, a guy who I was going to go to Vegas with for the first round of the NCAA uh, tournament this year before the whole coronavirus canceled the NCAA tournament. Um, but my our good friend, Matt Thompson, from college, he is uh, he is just a, a great dude. I, um, I performed the ceremony for he and his wife, who's also named Renee. <laughs> which is always hilarious. Um, so like, are he, you, are you telling me we're going to have our first guest star? We're going to have our first guest. We're going to bring Matt Thompson in because his birthday is May 6th. So it'd be two days after the episode will be released. And he has a favorite rom-com and it's also a favorite of mine as well. So figure why not? We're going to watch sweet home Alabama next week. Which I have never, ever seen. So you'll be in for a treat. You'll have two guys who know it very well. Um, I have a funny story about another buddy of mine named Matt, who was a roommate of mine, who's different than the Matt that will be on the show uh, regarding that movie. So <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll go over all of that uh, next week when we record that episode. But yes, yeah, set it up. will still be done. It'll be done uh, for the May 18th episode um, for that choice. But we're going to push it back so that we can do sweet home Alabama around Matt Thompson's birthday, just cause it makes sense. So look forward to that sweet home Alabama next week. And All until right. then for the tens and tens of listeners, <laughs> we love and appreciate y'all Definitely. enjoy the week since this comes out on Monday and we will talk to you next time. Stay safe. Love you guys.